one. Praise the Lord. Again, we weren't here last Wednesday night, and so we missed our uh, family time. We were out celebrating with, with another family last Thursday, and uh, so we're back together. And it's always good to be back together uh, in our usual schedule. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. All right, Psalm number 71, and uh, we're going to read verses 19 through 21. Everybody have that? Okay, let's read together. Ready, read. Also, your righteousness, O God, is very high. You who have done great things. O God, who is like you? You who have shown me great and severe troubles shall revive me again and bring me up again from the depths of the earth. You shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. Let's read verse 21 again, please. Glory to God. Let's read verse 21. Ready, read. You shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. Praise the Lord our God. He shall increase our greatness. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you tonight for the word that we're about to receive. Thank you for each person who's gathered here and uh, who positioned themselves to hear the word of God. You did say that you pour water on ground that's thirsty. And we declare tonight we are thirsty and hungry for your word, hungry for righteousness. And we want you to fill us. We can't be filled by anything else. Anything else is a false substitute, God. But, Lord, you are the real thing. Your word is the real thing. So fill us tonight, Father. And, Lord, let the words that, that, that come forth even from my mouth be words that edify and build up. Be words, Father, that will strengthen your people. And I pray, Father, that there will be words from your throne, directly from you, Lord, so that, God, when we leave this place, we'll know that we have heard from you tonight. So have your way in this place. We give you honor and glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. and amen. All right, take your seats tonight. Hallelujah. You will increase my, you shall increase my greatness. Increase my greatness. So we see that we're not just supposed to have greatness, but God says he'll increase our greatness. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, I just want to, I need to go over a little bit of review because, again, we've, this has been two weeks since we've been together on this course. So if you don't mind, I want to look back at Romans chapter 8 verse 30 in the Amplified Bible, and uh, i like to read that again. Romans chapter 8, verse 30 in the Amplified Bible. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. It says, here, and those, who, those whom he thus foreordained, he, this is God, talking about us, right? He also called, and those whom he, whom he called, he also did what? Justified, Justified made perfect. I'm just saying if y'all were here Sunday, made us flawless, Okay. He acquitted, made righteous, putting them into right standing with himself. Okay? And those whom he justified, look at this. He also glorified, raising them to a heavenly dignity and condition or state of being. Okay, so what God has done for us, this is on the inside. He has raised us up to a heavenly dignity and condition or state of being. Okay, so our condition, our status in God's sight is heavenly. Oh, you, you got y'all seeing that? We have a dignified position. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Now that word glorified, I want to give you that again uh, from from the from the Strong's uh, G thirteen nineteen. It's the Greek word doxazo. I want to read just the last line of that for us. It means to cause the dignity. And worth of some person 
or thing to become manifest and acknowledged. All right? So God is what he's done for us and what he is doing, bringing out of us, is to make sure that our dignity, remember heavenly dignity, and worth is becoming manifest or revealed. This is the revealing year, right? So this is our time to shine forth. So to, to become manifest and acknowledged. Acknowledged means other people are going to see it and say something about it. Y'all understand that? It's one thing for things to happen, but another thing for people to acknowledge it. You ever done anything and nobody acknowledged it? Glory to God. Well, God, he's not going to let that happen. When he brings forth our dignity, when he brings forth our worth, he's going to make sure it is manifested or revealed and acknowledged. In other words, the whole world is going to see and say something about the good things God has done in your life. Amen? Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Now, what we've been talking about, what we went over last uh, two weeks ago, was that how the devil, what he does is he works constantly to make sure that you and I never know who we are in Christ. Okay? When you get born again, remember you, who he called, he justified, he justified, he also glorified, and so forth. So all these things have already happened. They've already happened. Right. Remember that Romans 8, 29, and 30, those are all past tense phrases there. Right? right? He's already done these things. So the devil has to work very hard uh, to make sure that we don't discover what God has done. So that we don't know who we are. Because if we don't know who we are, if we don't know what God has done, then we'll never live up to our divine potential. Okay, and you and I have our potential is off the charts. <laughs> I wonder if you know that your potential, your potential is off the charts. You are you are nowhere, me included. We are nowhere near our potential. I'm not talking about just one thing. I'm talking about every area of your life. We are nowhere near our potential. But we're on our way. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So the devil, we said this a couple weeks ago, that he wants to make sure that you don't know who you are. He wants to make sure you don't know whose you are. And he wants to make sure you don't know who's inside you. Okay? So you don't know who you are, whose you are, and you don't know who's in, Because if you find out who's inside you, you'll understand greater is he, right, that is in me than he that's in the world. You'll all, you'll all of a sudden become unstoppable. You'll, you'll walk around like you have a vibranium. <laughs> Mess with some of y'all in here. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise God. I wasted my money on that movie. <laughs> Glory to God. Huh? I'm, I don't bother with that movie. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Y'all want me to mess with it. You want, that's what you do. You want me to say something. That's what you, <laughs> I'm not going to mess with your movie, praise the Lord. <laughs> that's what y'all sitting there quiet. But I'm going to move on. Praise God. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 3, please. Ephesians 3. Tell your neighbor, you have great potential. Come on, tell them again, you have great potential. Tell them you're nowhere near what God has put inside you. You're nowhere near all God's called you to be. Glory to God. Now Ephesians chapter 3 
Now, again, the problem with that is, again, is, is ignorance. Ignorance. When I say ignorant, don't get offended. I don't, that ignorant doesn't mean stupid. It means you just don't know something. That's what it means. So you're, you're, we've been ignorant of our, of our status. Ignorant about who we are in Christ. We've been thinking that we were merely humans. Glory to God. We've been thinking that we were just, just ordinary people, but we're not just ordinary people. Glory to God. We're extraordinary people. We're superhuman. Are y'all hearing me tonight? Because of who's in us. Glory to God. Even just naturally speaking, that's, we, just, we just talk naturally speaking. Man is an amazing uh, species. Just what, what man in his, even his natural strength, natural intelligence, in, his, in man's natural um, wisdom can, can perform and do. It's just, it's just, isn't it pretty astounding? And that's just natural men. But you and I are natural men. Right? I hope we're not. Now, if you're not born again, you're a natural man. You're a natural woman. But if you're born again, you move past natural. Glory to God. You're at, you're at least carnal. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, you know, Paul talks about there are three stages of men. That one, you're, you're either a natural man or you're a carnal man, which means you're born again but still operating like fleshly men. Or you're spiritual. We talked about that this morning in prayer. When you become spiritual, when you become, as Romans 8, 6 uh, says, uh, spiritually minded, your word says when you are, if you're carnally minded, it'll lead to, to death. But if you're spiritually minded, it'll bring forth life and peace. Life it means everything up to and including the, the exact God kind of life. It means you can live like God. I don't know if y'all understood. It means you can live like God. Praise the Lord. That didn't go over well. Peace. You can have the God kind of peace. Have the exact same peace God has. Well, we know that's true, right? Jesus said, my peace I give to you. Isn't that what he said? He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give, my peace I give. So we have, we're supposed to have the exact same peace, peace status, exact same, uh, peace isn't just a good night's sleep, it includes a good night's sleep. Peace isn't just, you know, there's no, no, no warfare going on, it includes that. But peace means the exact nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken life of God. Okay, so if we're spiritually minded, that's the kind of life we're meant to enjoy. So I'm, what I'm what I'm saying is that when when natural man just it's just it's just awesome the, the feats that natural men have done. I'm going to teach on this next next Wednesday as the Lord allows. But we're going to go to the book of Daniel where the Bible you know men do great things, but the book of Daniel says those they who know their God shall do great exploits. Boy, y'all, didn't, that didn't go over well. They shall do great. See, the, they who know their God. See, the world, they don't know God. So they're doing, they, they're maybe doing exploits. But we're talking about, come on, y'all. Great exploits. That means you and I have the potential to supersede anything the world has ever accomplished. 
There's a, oh my God, there's enough Holy Ghost anointing and wisdom available to you to surpass anything the world's ever thought of. I was sharing a testimony this morning uh, in prayer about the reason I taught on this this morning in prayer from Romans 8, 6 about being spiritually minded. I had an experience the other day, uh, Monday, I was preparing for uh, my flight school class to begin, and I had this tablet that I was going to, you know, we're going to put it on the screen for using my tablet, and I don't use this tablet at all. We don't use it at all, and it's just sitting there, and uh, I forgot the password. I couldn't, couldn't remember the password for anything. And this has happened the last time, too. So I'm sitting there, and I'm in my office Monday uh, morning, and I'm sitting there probably 25, 30, 40 minutes almost, uh, trying to, I'm typing in passwords, just typing in, just everything, every combination, lowercase, uppercase, numbers, I'm just, I'm doing everything, y'all know what I'm talking about. And you know what happens, you type it in five, ten times, it'll lock you out. Says you gotta wait. Dummy, that's what it's saying. Wait, dummy. And, and then you got to try it again. So I try, kept trying it. And, and I did that for a long time. So all of a sudden, this thing in me said, you have the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost knows the password. So that's what I did. I said, okay, well, I'm going to get in the car. I got to go to the bank and make, run a couple errands. So what I, I got in the car, and I, well, I just started praying to the Holy Ghost the whole time. What am I doing? I'm reaching for wisdom. Now the password is natural, but I'm going to get it from a supernatural source. <laughs> so I'm just praying the Holy Ghost, going along, driving along, driving along, praying the Holy Ghost. And then, and then I remember, I remember something that, that uh, Pastor Bumper said when he was here. I knew it, but I'm glad he brought it out again, that when the Lord speaks to you, it won't be up here, it's, it's in here. And so I made sure I didn't have anything planned, nothing on the radio, whatever, because I want to make sure I can hear God down in here. And so, and then all, all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost, you know, the Bible says Jesus Christ is the apostle and high priest of our confession. So that means he's going to bring your word. Then when you speak the word, he takes it back to God. Apostle, high priest. You remember I taught on, on that some time ago? Okay. So then what happens is he brings, the Holy Ghost brings me three scriptures. Just bam, bam, bam. One, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God. He gives liberally. All right, Lord, that's what your word says. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God. You give liberally. Yes. Glory to God. Then he brought back to me, he said, he said uh, here's another scripture here, that he said the Holy Ghost brings to your members all things I've said to you. So I said, Holy Ghost, thank you that you bring things, all these things back to my remembrance. Then he had to bring me one to help me. He brought me with the scripture that says the memory of the righteous is blessed. Why? Because what? Because I could remember the devil's attacking me now. You get no, you can't remember. This is I'm telling you. This is, this is what's happening. I know this doesn't happen to y'all. This is what he's doing to me. He's telling me, you know, something wrong. Something wrong with you. Why can't you remember this? Why can't you remember stuff? Then, then he starts trying to make me remember other things I couldn't remember. I'm just telling you, how, will a devil attack you? Especially when you're working on something, won't he attack you? So he's attacking me, and so God brings the scripture to me, the memory of the righteous is blessed. So I start confessing that the memory of the righteous is blessed. And then he said, all right, that's enough. So I stopped. And I got in the drive-thru, and I'm doing a little tra- transaction. All of a sudden, bam, there it is. Just like that. Here, that's the password. Now, I drove away saying this. God, this is unfair. That's what I drove away saying, out of my mouth. I said, out of my mouth. I said, this is unfair. 
we have an unfair advantage over the world. Do you understand that? Because you and I have access to the wisdom of God that they do not have access to. The Bible says the things of God, this, the Bible says the natural man cannot receive the things of God because they are spiritually discerned. The best they can do is learn. You and I can learn, but we can all go, oh my God, we can also discern. How do I know? Because Jesus Christ, when he was sitting there at 12 years old with all those scholars and all their learning, they want to know how did this boy know what he knew? Because he wasn't just learning by the Holy Ghost, he was discerning some things. My goodness. Put him at an unfair advantage. He start preaching, he'd be in a place and they'd be like, what is this kind of authority? What, what kind of word is this? Because he's, he's tapping into a different source. Are oh, you hear what I'm saying to you? I'm saying to you that you, you have the potential to surpass all the world's, the heights of the world's knowledge. Just, just think, I just think for a moment, what industry are you in? What, what field are you in? What, what, what do you do? How long are you going to stay an employee? How long are you going to stay on the bottom? How, come on now. How long are you going to stay in the middle? How long are you going to stay in, I'm in middle management? How long are you going to stay in middle management? How long before you own it? All it takes is one word of wisdom. <laughs> That's more than you can handle tonight. Did I tell y'all go to Ephesians 3? Oh, man, I didn't start my clock. Praise the Lord. Ephesians 3, look at verse 14. Let's read it here. It says, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Thank you, Lord. That he would, notice what Paul's prayer is. That he would grant you, you, everybody say me, me. according to the riches of his glory. Here's what the grant request is for us. That we would be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. So we can be strong on the inside. Strength with might through his spirit in our inner man. Now, our inner man controls the outer man. Glory to God. Did you catch that? The inner man controls the outer man. So if you and I can get the inner man strong, the outer man will be strong. Right? We, heard, we know the scripture that says the spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness. So if you can get the inside, the inner man strong, it's going to show up on the outside, right? Then he says, verse 17, here's the part, another part of the grant request, that Christ may do what? Dwell in your hearts through faith. So that's what we want Christ. The anointed one is anointing to dwell in your hearts, okay? That you being rooted and grounded in love, watch this. Now here, I'm going to show you now your ability here. May be able to comprehend, that's understand, with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know, watch this, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Oh, my goodness. To know something that passes knowledge. 
Y'all still not catching it. He's praying, and if he's praying, it's God's will for us. That's why the Holy Ghost put it here. That you would know something that is beyond knowledge. That means, I'm just, I'm just going to put this back in, in normal terms here for you. That means with all of their research and development, with all their scientific experiments, with all of their testing and prodding and all the things they do, there are things that they still will never know that God makes available to you and me. The hidden things belong to God, but those things that are revealed, the secret things belong to God, but the things that are revealed belong to man. There are things that God reveals, reveals to us. Y'all got it? All right, now let's keep going here. Glory to God. To know something that's beyond knowledge. That's the love of Christ here. Then he says, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That you may be filled, say it, filled, filled. with all the fullness, say fullness, fullness. of God. Wow. Now that's, this, is, this, is, this is the apostle's prayer for us. God's desire for us that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, we, we admire God. I mean, we honor God. We, we, we esteem God highly because we know God is big. <laughs> right? And yet, the prayer is that you and I would be filled with the fullness of God. That means everything that God is we become filled with it. Oh, come on. Let, let, just just let, let, that, let that sink in there. Everything God has, you become filled with it. So you're not walking around here all sucking and jiving. You're not walking around here by yourself. You're not walking around here empty. You're not walking around here broke. How can you be broke? Y'all not saying this. How can you be broke if you're filled with the fullness of God? Uh, pardon me. All the fullness of God. Filled with all. How, how, can, how can hatred be in our lives if we're filled? How can rage and envy and jealousy and strife be uh, lurking in our hearts if we're filled with the fullness of God. How? How can fear paralyze us if we're filled with the fullness of God? So he wants us to be filled with the fullness of God. Now, I, this is what I want you to see here. So if we're filled with the fullness of God, then we're supposed to be great. Am I right about it? I mean, how can we not be great if we're filled with the fullness of God? Huh? Okay, let me, let me, let me see if I can help you out. Um, water bottle, right? What does it contain? Water. All right. Now, this is just water. This is just plain was Zephyr Hills water, all right? 
100% natural Florida spring water. To you, how much is this worth? Anybody? 50 cent? 25, somebody, 75, whatever. All right. But what if, what if we poured the water out into the bottle? Okay, it's still, a, still the same container. But we filled it with vibranium. I'm messing with y'all again. Okay, let's see, say we filled it with molten gold. Okay, in other words, we poured, poured, poured gold in there, and it, it, it's, now it's, it's liquid gold. All right? Now what's it worth? Yeah, this, this is, this is uh, let me see how many ounces we have here. This is eight ounces, 14 times eight. That's going to give you, uh, let's see, about 100, yeah, about 112,000, somewhere. Which we're, okay, so now this went for 50 cents. Now, this is the same container, isn't it? What changed? The contents. Oh, you're not catching it. <laughs> See, when you and I fill with the fullness of God, the contents changed. And so our value skyrocketed. Our potential skyrocketed. I, I, I watched the movie, this, this Black Panther movie. Don't ask me why. And, and, and uh, let's, let's pretend it was vibranium. Man, this was, it was just so, uh, you know, astounding in that movie that they would take vibranium and, and a little bit of vibranium and power a whole city. I mean, wow. Its potential was unlimited. What, what it became great, be, the container became great because of what was in it. Since what was in it was great, now the container became great. Are you catching what I'm saying to you tonight? So you and I are not filled with, with, with foolishness of the world. We're not filled with the enemy stuff. We are filled with the fullness of God. Glory to God. Somebody say, I'm filled up. With all the fullness of God. All right, now, that means we're supposed to be great. We're supposed to be great here. Now, Job, Job 36 verse 26 tells us that God is great. And he's beyond our understanding. Job 36, verse 26. I want, to, want you to see on the screen. Job 36 says, Behold, God is great, and we do not know him. In other words, it's, it's, he's beyond our understanding. Now, we're not talking about us being spirit-filled. This is Job writing, or in, I should say in Job's time, okay? Nor can the number of his ears be discovered. Now, look at this same verse in the CEV, please. The contemporary English version of this. How great God is. Now, we're talking about we're talking about what's inside you. How great God is. God is more than we can imagine. No one can count the years he has lived. Everybody say he's great. He's great. All right, give me the message Bible. Same verse, verse 26, Job 36, 26, the message. Take a long, hard look. See how great he is. Infinite. Greater than anything you could ever imagine or figure out, and you're filled with him. Hey. 
See, if, if, if you're never taught that, then you, you maintain a regular mindset. If you never discover that, you maintain, well, I'm just, just trying to get along. I'm on this tedious journey. Lord, take hold my hand while I'm on this tedious journey. Walk with me, Lord. Walk with you. He's in you. He's filling you up. What you mean, walk with you? Stop by here, dear Lord. Stop by here. You're filled with it. What you mean, come by here, Lord? Glory to God. See, but we, we hadn't been told that. We had not, had not understood that we are filled with the fullness of God. Glory to God. Everybody say, God's inside me. Psalm 145, verse 3, says this. says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. How many of y'all will have any, any reason to believe God isn't great? All right, so we all believe God is great, right? Okay, let's go to 2 Chronicles, please. 2 Chronicles. Old Testament here, 2 Chronicles chapter 2. Y'all stay with me here. Glory to God. We're going to get that greatness out of you to come alive and operate in your life. 2 Chronicles chapter 2 and verse 1. Are you there? Okay, I'm going to read a little bit here. Watch this. It says, then Solomon determined, this is King Solomon David's son, determined to build a temple for the name of the Lord, a royal house or excuse me, and a royal house for himself. Glory to God. Solomon selected 70,000 men to bear burdens, 80,000 to quarry stone in the mountains, and 3,600 to oversee them. He's going to do, he gonna, he about to do something big, ain't he? This, this ain't no general home development house here. This is not some American housing here. This is, this, is, this, is God, this is God's house. Then Solomon sent to Hiram, this is verse 3, king of Tyre, saying, As you have dealt with David my father and sent him cedars to build himself a house to dwell in, so deal with me. Behold, I am building, watch this, this is, this is critical here. I am building a temple for the name of the Lord my God, to dedicate it to him, to burn before him sweet incense for the continual showbread, for the burnt offerings, morning and evening, on the Sabbaths, on the new moons, and on the set feast of the Lord our God. Y'all remember the set feast, right? Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacle. I'm waiting on y'all to come on. Passover, Pentecost, Passover's coming up here April 1st or that weekend, all right? So he says here, this is an ordinance forever to Israel. Verse 5. Now watch this. And the temple which I build will be great. Why? For our God is greater. So I can't build some little small little thing. I can't build some little, you know, manufactured thing. I can't build, you know. No, and you know, it is interesting. People get all mad about the church, you know, building nice buildings and everything. The church ought to give that money to the poor. No, 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 no. No, they were taking care of the poor. They were able to do both. Because if you take care of God, God's going to make sure you got plenty. 
He said, so what I'm building for God, it's got to be great. It's got to be great. Why? For our God is greater than all gods. What is he saying? He's saying that what God is going to dwell in must be great because he's great. Verse 6, but who is able to build him a temple? Y'all with me? Since heaven and the heavens, heaven of heavens, cannot contain him. Oh, just y'all got to just... But who is able to build him a temple? Now, I'm going to try is what he's saying. I'm going to get all kind of marble and travertine and limestone. I'm going to build the best I can. But, I mean, but who really can contain him, build him a temple, since heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain him? Did you catch that? He's saying the heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain him. He's too big to be contained by the heavens. I'm going to show you something here in a minute. Who am I then that I should build him a temple except to burn sacrifice before him? Therefore, send me at once a man skillful to work in gold. This is what we're going to use for the temple. Gold and silver and bronze and iron and purple and crimson and blue. Who, who, is, who has skill to engrave with the skillful men who are with me in Judah and Jerusalem, whom David my father provided. Verse 8, also send me cedar, that good wood, that pest-resistant wood, and cypress and algum logs from Lebanon. For I know that your servants have skill to cut timber in Lebanon, and indeed my servants will be with your servants. Verse 9, to prepare timber for me in abundance. For the temple which I am about to build shall be great and wonderful. Now, why must it be great and wonderful? Because God is great. Now, remember what we read here. So the temple has to be great because God is great. And that it said the heaven and even the heavens can't contain him. Y'all got it? All right, now go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, come on now, I'm setting you up. 1 Corinthians, I'm setting you up, you great person, you. 1 Corinthians 3. Ask your neighbor, do you know who you are? Tell them you're about to find out. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It says here, are you ready? I got a question for you. Do you not know? That you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Do you not know that? You don't know who you are? You don't know? Now remember what, what, what Solomon just told us. That the temple has to be great. Oh, y'all are missing this here. The temple must be great because the one who's going to dwell in it is greater than all gods. And so the one who's greater than all gods can't live, can't dwell. What he, it won't suffice to have for him a, a, a regular temple. No, he has to have a great temple to live in. So it's got to be great and wonderful. It's got to be great and wonderful. Well, do you not know? Now, this is New Testament. Now, remember what we read in Old Testament when Solomon said, he said, the heaven 
even the heavens can't contain him. That means God's too big for the heavens. He's, he's too much for the heavens. And yet the Bible now tells you as New Testament born again believers that the spirit of God dwells in you. <laughs> you understand this? You understand this? He <laughs> said the heavens couldn't take him. The heavens couldn't couldn't contain him. And yet now here you are. A container. A temple. Filled with the fullness of God. So if God is great, then the he, he has to make sure the temple. You'll get this by next Thursday, I'm sure. Then the temple must be great. Glory to God. I dare you to say it like, like we tried to get you to say it two weeks ago. See if it's, it's working this time. Say, Lord, Lord make, me great. make me great. Glory to God. Let's try one time. Lord, Lord make, me great. make me great. Do you understand why you got to be great? Because you're, you're walking around housing the Holy Ghost. You're walking around. You're the temple of the living God. You're the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwells in you. So you're not meant to be normal, average, menial, mediocre, ordinary. And how you look, how you dress, how you carry yourself, what you have, what you do, how you live. Everything about you is meant to be great. Remember after Solomon built that, that temple for God and his house? This lady comes along. She's the queen of Sheba. <laughs> she comes along because she's heard how great this stuff is. But what she heard, she found out. She said the half hadn't even been told. When she got there and rocked her world, she said, oh, my God. I mean, she fainted. The Bible says she just, all her breath left her. Just, just she fainted. Oh, my God, this is too great. And the Bible says kings from all over the world would come travel to hear Solomon's wisdom. And they, they see the house of God, and they see his royal palace. They see the house of God and be like, my God. Give me Isaiah 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Can you handle that? Verse 2, verse 2, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Now, this is going to make you attractive. This is going to make you a standout. This is going to make you great. And because of that greatness, something else big is going to happen. It's in verse 3. Watch verse 3. It says, the Gentiles shall come to your light and, and, and kings. Now, kings have something. 
So for a king, see, I just explained to you, the queen of Sheba came to see him, to see Solomon. And all those kings from all over the planet came to see Solomon. Because they heard, oh, man, it's something, man, it's something, something, this guy, he's got it going on. So if the Bible says kings are going to start coming to you, kings don't come see no poor people, no broke down people, no people ain't got nothing. King, Y'all playing with me. Kings don't want to talk. Come on now. So that means it must be in God's divine, eternal plan to raise you up to a point that you attract kings. Oh, some of y'all still working with it, but you'll, you'll get it. You'll get it. You'll get it. Glory to God. Go back, go back to Psalm 71 here. Go back to Psalm 71. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. This is Isaiah 60 time. Hallelujah. Psalm 71, verse 19. says, and also your righteousness, O God, is very high. You have done great things. O God, who is like you? You've shown me, allow me to see great and severe troubles. You shall revive me again and bring me up again from the depths of the earth. Verse 21, you shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. Glory to God. So we know here God wants to increase our greatness. Okay? Now, the increase of greatness, because the greater we are, the more dynamic or the more attractive we are. You got it? So that kings, the Gentiles, we just read that in Isaiah 63, right? 60 verse 3, that they come to our light. We are the light of the world. So they have to, they have to see something that draws them to us. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. And what, the, what they're going to see is the glory of God on us. Right. What, what they're going to see is God increasing our greatness. Yes, causing it to abound. Yes, causing it to shine forth. Okay? Now let's look at verse 21 in the uh, contemporary English version. I want you to see this here. Let's, let's get, a, get, a, get a hold of what this is saying. Maybe one of these verses will hit you. It says, you will make me truly great and take my sorrow away. <laughs> Anybody happy about that? You will make me truly great and take my sorrow away. Give me the New Century version, the NCV. Listen to this, the NCV. You will make me greater than ever. Okay, now remember what happened when you talked about him going through severe troubles and everything? But he says, you'll make me greater than ever. That means that there, there may be a time in your life where you have gone seemingly down. Troubles have come that have um, perhaps set you back a little bit. Anybody ever been set back a little bit? None of y'all? You ever been set back a little bit? Well, God says, don't worry about it because I'm going to make sure that I make you greater than ever. So this is, this is restoration uh, overload here. This isn't just you getting back to where you were. This is God getting you back past where you were. Most people will be just happy to get back to where they were. But God said, no, no, no. I'm going to make you greater than ever. 
So it doesn't matter how far you fall or how, how far you drop. doesn't matter what the devil's taking away. When I bring everything back, I'm going to give it back to you. In fact, the Bible says when a thief he's found, he must restore sevenfold. That means when the, when the enemy has stolen things, you don't just get that one thing back. He has to give you seven times. Oh, I wish I had a witness here. Seven times what he stole, and the Bible says he may have to give up his whole house. God's about to bankrupt the devil, and God's going to make sure we take everything he's ever stolen. We're going to plunder his whole house. Give God a shout about that tonight. You'll make me greater than ever. Greater than ever. Somebody say, I'm going to be greater than ever. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. People, you know, it's interesting because the devil always has us thinking about, you know, all the good old days. Oh, I remember why I used to be a baller. Come on now, you ever had that? Oh, man, I used to have it going on. I used to be able to go and do so and so all the time. Hell, have you have depressed? You can't function, can't smile, can't dance, can't jump, can't, can't have do anything but eat. That's what you eat, get some ice cream or whatever you eat. Right? Thinking about, man, what I used to have, what I used to do, man, I used to be able to just go, you know, whenever I wanted to, man. But now it seems like I can't even make ends meet. Seems like so and so and so forth. And you start thinking about the good old days. And the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, do not say, what about those good old days? The Bible says don't say that. Because when you say that, you are trying to lock yourself back into something that you experienced, and what you experienced wasn't the height of your potential. What, what you had wasn't, your, wasn't God's best. Glory to God. Glory to God. God always, always wants to increase you. He always wants to take you past where you were. You remember the story in John, in John chapter 11 when uh, Jesus Christ, he gets the word. They, say, they come and say, hey, Jesus, your friend Lazarus is, is sick, right? Y'all remember that? He says, your friend Lazarus is sick. And so the Bible says, okay, Jesus said, all right, cool. And, uh, you know, they wanted him to, to rush down and uh, heal Lazarus. And the Bible says he didn't move. He stayed. He sat where he was for about four days. He just stayed there. And one day he said, okay, hey, guys, we need to go on down there and see Lazarus. He said, Lazarus is asleep. And the disciples were like, well, if he's asleep, you know, he's good. Leave him alone, you know. Besides, we don't want to go down there because, you know, they want to kill you down there. Let's not go down there. And he says, oh, fellas, listen, Lazarus is dead. He said, and I'm glad for your sakes I wasn't there. Lazarus, his friend, is dead. And Jesus said, I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there. Now, why is he glad for their sakes he wasn't there? Why would he let his friend die? It's, 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 it's so that when they went down there now, they already believed that he was a healer. I preached this to y'all before. They knew he was a healer. They had seen him do all kinds of great miracles, but they, they hadn't seen this level of manifestation before. See, God always wants, wants to take you higher above your last level of manifestation. While you're still pounding over what was lost or may, maybe celebrating what you gained, he's saying, all right, I'm ready to move on from that. I want to take you to a higher level of manifestation because I am always out to increase your greatness. 
increase your greatness. So don't worry about, well, I lost this and I didn't have that and whatever. Don't, don't let that stuff go. That wasn't your dream car. Come on, the house you lost, it wasn't your dream house. Tell the truth. God, y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Tell, tell the truth. It wasn't the dream house. It was just the house. <laughs> the job you lost, that wasn't your dream job. It was just a job. It was just a check. So don't worry about that one. Your potential is far exceeding. That job, that house, that car, that whatever. That man that walked out on you, he wasn't your dream fellow. <laughs> All right, I'll move on. I'll move on. Please. <laughs> Give me Psalm 71, 21 in the voice translation. We got to pull this up. The voice translation. Psalm 71, verse 21 in the voice Listen to what it says. Oh, you thought he was. Dream. Dream, dream, dream. Yeah, you thought he was. Sometimes dreams turn into nightmares on Elm Street. Glory to God. Notice what he says here in this voice translation. I love it. He says, you will greatly increase my status. Did that, did that shake anybody? You will greatly increase my status and be my comfort once again. You will. That means you don't have to try to increase your status. Isn't it interesting? People, people get caught up trying to raise their own profile, trying to make themselves somebody. And he said, he'll increase our status. I'm going to deal with this either probably next week or so. I'm going to talk about the law, the law of greatness. We've talked about this law of exaltation. There's also a law of greatness. It, it's, 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 it's right along, parallels that law of exaltation. Well, Jesus said, those who would be great must become servants. That's a law. Right? And so you and I don't have to increase our status. People trying to increase their social status. You know, they're trying to get as many followers on Facebook and Friends and fans and, you know, Twitter people, whatever you call all this other kind of stuff, trying to increase their own status. People go trying to increase their own financial status by their little, oh, you know, I'm going to maneuver this and make this happen. I'm going to, you know, I'm going I'm to work some deals and everything. You, you, you can work yourself into a knot. You can work yourself right into a knot trying to maneuver, manipulate in that system out there. He says, I'll increase your, your status. God wants to increase your status. God wants to give you a greater social status. He wants to give you a greater financial status. Glory to God. So we don't have to do it. All right? God will make you somebody. Tell anybody, God will make you somebody. Tell somebody else, God will make you somebody. Lord, I want to be somebody. He's going to make you somebody. You know how it is when you're growing up? I want, when I grow up, I want to be somebody. God's going to make you somebody. Glory to God. God is making you somebody right now. Matter of fact, you're already somebody. He's making you even greater somebody. He's making you significant. Glory to God. 
Remember now, you're filled with the fullness of God. So on the inside of you is him. So if he's great, then the temple's great. Genesis 12, go over there real quick. Genesis 12, verse 1 through 3, amplified. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Says here down in Haran, this is, this is God talking about uh, Abraham, Abram. Glory to God. Now in Haran. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh. Be with him, Lord. Be with him, Lord. Have mercy on him, Lord. He about to get it. All right. <laughs> now in Haran, the Lord said to Abram, go for yourself for your own advantage away from your country, away from your relatives, away from your father's house, for your own advantage to the land that I will show you. It's, it's for your own advantage that you separate. It's for your own advantage, advantage that you move on. Because I'm going to show you a land. I'm going to show you a lifestyle. I'm going to show you a covenant. I'm going to show you a friendship and a fellowship with me like you've never experienced before. One that you couldn't have when you were worshiping that moon god. Abram. Now watch verse 2. Verse 2, and I will make of you a what? Great nation. Great nation. And I will bless you with abundant increase of favors. I, I kind of like that. How many of y'all wouldn't mind abundant increase of favors? Fa not favor, favors. Let me use some more favors. Thank you, Lord. Abundant increase of it. He says, and make your name. Now, New King James and J King James says, make your name great, right? But notice how Amplify spell that spells it out. Make your name famous and distinguished. This is what God wants to do for you and for me. He says, and you will be a blessing, dispensing good to others. Verse 3, verse three. I will bless those who bless you, who confer prosperity or happiness upon you, and curse him who curses or uses insolent language towards you. And you, all the families and kindred of the earth, be, uh, be blessed. And by you, they will bless themselves. Okay. Now, go back to verse 2 because here's the, the key part here. That God said, I'm making you great. I'm making your name great, famous and distinguished. I'm going to bless you with an abundant increase of favors. Now, again, if you think, well, that's just Abraham. That doesn't apply to me. Remember, this is God's covenant to Abraham. And he said in, in Genesis uh, 17, verse 7, he said, I'll establish my covenant with you and your seed after you in their generations. So this, this covenant promise God made to Abraham passes down to every generation of those who are connected to Abraham. And we know Galatians 3.29 New Testament, which says that if we belong to Christ, then we are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So the same promise that God made Abraham, the same covenant God established, because we, are, because we belong to Christ, this same covenant belongs to us. So he's going to make us great, right? Make our name great. Now, now listen to this. So God's going to increase your greatness. But first, you must allow him to make you great. 
That's why we read that. Because first, you must allow him to make you great. Okay? Now, remember, there's greatness potential on the inside of you. But you must first allow him to make you great. So I just showed you here what God told Abram, that he will make you great. Okay? Now, let me show you something here. Go to uh, the book of Job. Get your fingers moving over there real quick. Y'all got a few more minutes? You sure? Y'all sure? All right. Job chapter 1. I want to show you something here. Job 1. says in verse 1, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was what? Blameless and? And one who feared God and? This is a good man, right? This is a righteous man. This is a godly man. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also his, his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household. So that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. Now, this wasn't some sinner. This wasn't some scam artist. This wasn't some guy who was booking everybody's 401k. He wasn't going to end up on American greed. This is a man serving God, righteous before God, blameless, upright, fearing God, shunning evil. And notice he's the greatest of all the East. Well, how did that happen, Pastor? He must have just worked real hard. Well, let's look and see what the devil said. We can learn, learn a lot from a dummy. Watch this. Job 1, verse 10. When God is talking, talking to the devil, the devil you know, wants, to, wants to get to Job. He, here's what Satan says in verse 10. Have you not made a hedge around him, talking about Job, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have. The devil knows. Why Job has all that stuff and he's the greatest? Because you, God, you have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. So God made Job great. Job didn't do it himself. The devil knew it. That God blessed Job and made him great. So Job was righteous and he was the greatest, right? Okay, 2 Kings. 2 Kings. Let's keep rolling. 2 Kings. Now, Job, that's, that's one of our examples, right? Second Kings chapter 4. Hallelujah. Second Kings 4 and verse 8. Now, it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem. Now, Shunem, that city, that was part of, how many of y'all ever heard of uh, the, the 12 tribes of Israel? You know the 12 tribes of Israel? There was one tribe named Issachar. Okay, so Shunem belonged to Issachar, okay? He said where there was a notable woman. Now, King James says there was a great woman. Literally, that word notable means great woman. Okay, now watch. And she persuaded him. Persuaded him who? Elisha. This is the man of God to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. Now, she's a woman of God. Serving God, obviously loves God because she's taking care of his, of his man. And the Bible has the nerve to call her a great woman. 
Now, I'm showing you that because, because see, in the body of Christ, in, in the religious church, we, we almost want to shun if anybody talks about God's going to make me great, I'm going to be something in the world. You almost get pushed down. No, just, just serve God, honey. Matter of fact, there's a song that we used to sing uh, uh, in, in the church. It still comes on when, when I hear it on, on Pandora all the time. This, um, uh, this song, it goes, uh, uh, you can have this whole wide world, but I'll take Jesus for mine. We used to sing that song. I'll take Jesus for mine. You can have this whole wide world, but I'll take Jesus for mine. Well, that, that's, that's the the church saying, if I take Jesus, then, then you have the world. But wait, we just read about Job. Job had, if we can call it for his Old Testament, Jesus. But he was the greatest in all the East. And all the East means the, in the Orient. All of Asia. All of, all of Western Europe. Or Eastern Europe, rather. <laughs> this woman of Shunem, she had Jesus, but the Bible called her a great woman. She had a, she had a, an empire, business. She was running this whole thing, but she served God. See, so my, my point of saying that is, you and I don't have to have to decide between Jesus and great. No, they come together because he, he's great. So you can't have him be a joint heir with him and not be great. Glory to God. Go, go to first, first Chronicles. Let me hurry on. First Chronicles. I'm starting to lose some of you. First Chronicles 29. First Chronicles 29. Glory to God. First Chronicles 29, verse 10. Are you there? Nope. All right. They got on the screen for you, so just follow along. First Chronicles 29, verse 10. You can write it down, read it at home. It says, therefore, David blessed the Lord before all the assembly. Now, y'all know King David, right? And David said, blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our father, forever and ever. Verse 11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Now, when he says yours is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, the majesty, he's saying that majesty belongs to God. It's his. Y'all catching this? Victory belongs to God. It's his. Glory belongs to God. Power belongs to God. Greatness belongs to God. What do you mean, Pastor? That means if he's saying majesty, victory, I'm, I'm going backwards, you see that, right? Majesty, victory, glory, power, and greatness, they are his to give. They belong to him. So he, he isn't just saying, yours, uh, the Lord, is the greatness, you're great. He didn't, he's not saying, Lord, you're great. He's saying, yours is the greatness. So greatness is yours to give. He says, for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. 
Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head, of, head over all. Now, y'all struggling with this, but let's just see it. He says, verse 12, both riches, come on, and honor come from you because it's yours. And you reign over all. Now, watch, it. watch this. Here's the kicker here. And in your hand is power, there it is again, and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. You see, because he owns it. You understand that? Now, I want you to imagine, just, just imagine greatness being a force or a substance. And he's saying, God, this substance is something you can give. Are you catching that? That's why God was able to tell Abram, oh, I'm going to make you great. Because it's his to give. And you're looking at people out there in the world, aren't they great? Well, no. They've achieved their own greatness in their own way, but there's a greatness that only God can give. He owns it. So God, because he owns it, he can give it. He can also take it off somebody. Right? I mean, how many, how many uh, you know, people have we heard, you know, this person was the greatest of all time? And then 30 years, 40 years later, you know, this guy, this guy uh, uh, Richard, uh, 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 no, Roger Bannister. You ever heard of Roger Bannister? He was the guy who ran the mile first time in under four minutes. Y'all ever heard that? He ran the mile under four minutes. First time, this has been decades ago. And everybody thought, oh, he is the greatest of all time. He, he just died this past, uh, early this week or last week, whatever it was, just, just passed away. And uh, yet, there are people running the mile under four minutes every day, all the time. It's like, if you go over four minutes, something wrong with you. That's what the people think. <laughs> Be it unto me. Right, to get under, trying, trying to get under the hour, praise the Lord. <laughs> you got to stop and have a sandwich. <laughs> praise God. So greatness is God's to give. This is what I want you to see. That's what he said in verse 12. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Do y'all see that? Give me that same verse, verse 12, in the Living Bible, please. Verse 12, Living Bible. Glory to God. Watch this. Watch what it says. First Chronicles 29, verse 12, the Living Bible. It says, riches and honor come from you alone, and you are the ruler of all mankind. Your hand controls power and might, and it is at your discretion. It is at your discretion that men are made great and given strength. So greatness is at God's discretion. Okay? All right, give me that same verse, please, in the CEV. CEV. It says, and you rule with strength and power. You make people... Rich and powerful and famous. <laughs> now it says he did this. This, this, and you know, this is this is not some guy just talking out of his head. This is a guy talking from experience, right? David knows this. This is what's what's right. Okay. In fact, go 
Go back to the uh, same book, uh, chapter uh, 17, please. Chapter 17. David knows that it's in God's hand to make you great. That God can do it. That God can do it. Glory to God. This is, this is wonderful, man. Now remember what we just read now. It is in God's hand to do this. Now, let me just ask you a question while you're finding chapter 17. If it's in God's hand to do it, who do you think he wants to do it for? His children, for us, not for the world. He's not trying to make the world great. He's trying to make us great. The problem is in the body of Christ, we've been ignorant of it or we've just been downright resistant. Hadn't been willing and hadn't been obedient. But that's changing, right? We're being willing and we're being obedient to God's word. Okay, look at chapter 17, 1 Chronicles 17, verse uh, 7. Now remember, David has experience. That's why he wrote chapter 29. Verse 7 says, Now therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David. This is uh, uh, Nathan the prophet that God is talking to. He says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold. I want you to see where David starts, where he, he gets his start. Because some of y'all here thinking, well, you know, I'm, I don't have much education, or I don't have this, and, you know, I never did finish school, and I didn't come from a, you know, rich pedigree and all that kind of stuff, and, you know, I was born on the wrong side of the track, so I'm too old or too young, all that kind of stuff. God says, tell him, I took you from the sheepfold from following the sheep. Following the sheep. Wait a minute. Something wrong with this picture here. I thought David was leading the sheep. God said, no, 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 you wasn't even leading the sheep. When I found that boy, he was following the sheep. He was on his little, blowing his horn, and he was out there playing a little harp and the sheep. All the time he even paid attention because he saw a bear and a lion come along. And, oh, I better do something about it. The Bible said he was following the sheep. He wasn't even a, a leader as a, as a kid. He said, I took him from following the sheep to be ruler over my people. Are you seeing what just happened here? He said, tell him I took him from the bottom all the way to the top. From the bottom. He was following sheep. Walking behind sheep. It's got to stink, don't it? Be on the south end of, a, of sheep, that's... Took him from the bottom to the top. Isn't that good right there? See, you gotta you gotta get this because you you it ain't it ain't, it ain't about where you are now. Watch this, watch what it says, verse 8. And I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I've cut off all your enemies from before you. See, I did all this. I did all this, and have made you a name. Like the name of the great men who are on the earth. I've given you a name. If you read this same story uh, over in 2 Samuel, chapter 7, verse 9, that, that verse, he'll say, I've given you a great name. I've given you a great name. But here he says, I've made you a name. Now, now my center column reference on this verse gives me the phrase, given you prestige. Oh. What, in other words, what that literally means is, I have given you prestige like the great men who are on the earth. Now, what happens? Now, here's David. He's a sheep follower. 
who God put his hand on him. Yeah, there you go. Who all God did was put his hand on him. Who all God did was put his favor on him. And he skyrocketed from the bottom all the way to the top, leading God's people because God said, I'm going to make you great. All God has to do is put his hand on you. It's not about how much education you have, not about how much skill you have, not about, not about all the things that you may know. It's about God put his hand on you. And I have good news for you. God has put his hand on you. God has favored you. God has smiled on you. And if you allow him, he'll take you all the way from the bottom to the top. Now, let me, let me finish here. Let me give you this here. Write this down if you can. If greatness offends you, greatness will elude you. If greatness offends you, greatness will elude you. That's important. Because here's David, he's a sheep follower. And God takes him to the top, but we don't, we don't, we don't read the middle of the story here. That before God made him rule the people, he took him out of the sheep folds and, and divinely arranged for him to have a position in the king's palace. So he could be around greatness. <laughs> y'all, y'all. He, he divinely arranged for him to get around greatness so that, so that greatness wouldn't offend him. He had, he had to get him now used to, accustomed to being around the palace and seeing how, 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 how they carry themselves in the palace. That in the palace, you don't act like a sheep follower. In the palace, you don't dress like a sheep follower. Y'all ain't saying anything to me. He had to get him around some higher ups. Because if, if you're going to go where I'm taking you, you've got you to get a change in your mindset. And David was a, was a follower of sheep, but he was going to be a leader of God's people. And to go where God wants you to go, you've got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So to renew your mind, God, God had, he had to get David around the, the place for a while. Didn't have the responsibility of leading. He had to go minister to the leader. He ministered to someone who was in that position of greatness. So he began to learn and understand. Here's how greatness looks. This is what greatness does. This is how greatness operates. I'm teaching better than y'all letting on. Here's what happened. Here's what you need to know. Greatness will never be achieved if mediocrity is never challenged. Greatness will never be achieved if mediocrity is never challenged. So can you imagine David, a sheep follower, walking into the king's palace for the first time and his jaw drops and he's looking around like, oh my God. Oh my. He's looking. Can you imagine him being at first a little bit intimidated? Walking up in the palace, should I take my shoes off? Should I, should I bow? What, what do I do? How do I, when it's, when it's time to eat, you know, which, which pork do I use? Come on, y'all, let's say this a minute. 
What do I do with my napkin? Do I sit before the king sits? <laughs> do I smack my food still? Come on now, you can't be in the king's palace smacking like you're out there with the sheep. This is how I eat. No, that's how you eat when you're with the sheep. But where God's trying to take you up here to be a king, you've got to get trained. And so what happens is people, people they, they, they get offended by uh, greatness. Can I just say excellence? People get offended by greatness or excellence, and they, they, they avoid it. Why? Because that excellence or that greatness challenges their mediocrity. And it's more comfortable for me to stay uh, mediocre and, and, and average and, 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 and just, just, just my, my, this is just my regular way of living. Then to be challenging to how you come up. And it's, it's, it's a trick of the enemy to make people get offended by greatness or get offended by excellence, get offended by prosperity, get offended by, by, by something higher or bigger or greater than themselves. It's a trick. It's a trick. I don't want to go around that meeting. I don't want to be around folk, uppity folk. Uh, what's, give me Proverbs, uh, let me try here, 13, 20. Proverbs 13, verse 20. Proverbs 13, verse 20. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Notice here, if you walk with wise men, you'll be wise. So who you walk with affects who you become. You walk with wise, you'll be wise. You walk with great, you'll be great. Everybody knows if you're, an, if, if you're here, you're an athlete. You know the old saying goes and it holds true. If you want to be the best, you got to play with the best. We, we, we moved our, our son from, uh, he used to play baseball for one organization, and we moved him from that organization for the sole reason that that organization wasn't providing an avenue or, or an environment to put the best together. And I'm not saying this to brag, but our son was among the best that they had. And, well, because they wouldn't create a, a, a put the best together. They would want to spread the best out over all, of, all the teams. Well, the problem is, if you're good, and you got to now play with somebody who just learned how to hold a glove. You scared to throw the ball. You see, what do I do? So if you're going to improve, if you're gonna, if you're gonna improve, you gotta get around other people who are either as good or better than you are. So God had to get David around from around the sheep and put him in a king's palace. Working, he was working there. He was working there. He wasn't running nothing. He was just working there. But he learned something while he's there. This is how we do. Okay. 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 This is how we operate. All right. And see, God wants to do that to you. So stop shunning. I don't know who this is for, but stop shunning greatness. 
you get an opportunity to be around some, something or somebody great, take it. Hallelujah. You need to be in the company of greatness so you can be challenged. And God will arrange that. God will arrange that. Let me give you two more verses to show you. Here's just a couple, couple Bible tidbits on how to, how to get around greatness. You want to know how to get around greatness? All right, Proverbs 18, verse 16. Here's one. Here's a way to get around greatness. Watch this. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. You ought to write that down. Proverbs 18, verse 16. Write it down. You read it later. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. So if you want to be before great men and, and be in the company of great men, uh, bring some gifts. So you think about your talent. That word in gift isn't talking about talent. You can sing and, you know, do the, you, no, this isn't that. This is gift. That word gift is talking about you bring them something tangible. Glory to God. So you go around there and, you, you know, you, you're here around, you're your CEO, they have it. It's their birthday. Take them something. You brown nose. I'm not brown nose. I'm trying, I'm trying to get a seat in the king's palace. So when is my time? I better preach this at the other church. I'll, I'll preach that at the other church. I'm going to preach that at our other location because y'all are not ready for what I'm talking about. It's, we understand this. You want an audience with somebody? You want an audience with somebody? You bring a gift to them. You have all their attention. And you'll get to sit in their presence and soak up everything that they have to tell you. <laughs> That's scripture, amen? We've been, we've been talking about how, how well you sing and make room for you. That ain't what the Bible talking about. Child, just sing your heart out. It'll make room for you. That ain't what it's talking about. Now, we want to talk about what, what you do. I'll give you one more verse, then you can go home. Proverbs 22, verse 29. Proverbs 22, verse 29. Watch what it says here. Do you see a man who excels in his work? This is what you do. If you, if you excel in that, then you will not stand, you will stand before kings. You will not stand before unknown men. So if you are real good at singing, if you are real good at whatever you do, do it well. In fact, in fact, in, in the kingdom says, if you, be, if you are diligent in business, how you handle your business, you'll stand before kings. You won't stand before uh, ordinary men, unknown men. So when you excel at what you do, you get called up to the big leagues. You get called to the, up to the pros. Glory to God. You just excel. Be good at it. Be absolutely good at everything you do. In fact, go over and above. Excel at it, and God will bring you into the presence of people on a higher level who are now going to challenge you. Isn't that right? If you got a guy, he's, he's an excellent basketball player in high school, and he gets, he gets uh, he's the, the high school star. And he gets uh, uh, recruited to go to college, play, play in college somewhere. He's not going to be the star in that college. Not right away, generally. He's going to run into four of eight other stars. <laughs> right? And then, then, if he, then if he gets drafted to go to the NBA, he thinks, oh, man, I came out of college, I'm all that. Great. He just run, run into eight other guys who also came out of college and they're all that. Who are now going to challenge you, rookie. 
They're going to challenge you, rookie. Come on. We're going to make you better, rookie, because this is a whole different league. Welcome to the NFL. They'll hit you hard. Welcome to the NFL. Right? So th- that's, that's how we grow. That's how we improve. It's when we get around people who are, who are where, we, where we, we're going or they're already there. They're going where we're going or they're already there. So don't, don't shun away from these challenges because it's part of the process that God uses to make you great. I don't care if it's ministry. I don't care if it's in a business. I don't care if it's parenting. I don't care if it's, if it's being a husband or a wife. You want to learn how to be a better husband or wife? Be around a good husband and a wife. Well, that, that's their marriage. I ain't, look, if you don't want to have problems, see somebody doing it right, and get around them. Take them out to eat. You pay for it. How you, how you, how y'all keep from fighting all the time? We about to kill each other. <laughs> right? That's what you do. In business, find somebody who's doing business well. Well, they, they, they not saved. Saul wasn't saved either. I mean, if we're going to talk about you, we're going to compare apples to apples. Saul wasn't saved either. David was a picture of the saved one. He just had to be around and see how things operate. And that's what God will do for you. Amen? So God wants to increase our greatness. You all receive that tonight? All right, that's all the time we got. Give God a great hand of praise tonight. You